At the end of the gospel lesson that uh, I read from Luke, it says they went back into the city with great joy. They went back into the city with great joy because they believed Jesus when he said, this will be better for you. Do you remember how he said that once early? It, the night before he died, he said, I'm going to go away. And at that time, they were very troubled that he was saying that, remember? And that's when he said, I'll come back and get you. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, now after the resurrection and they've seen him for 40 days and he's told them so much more, they have more faith. They think it's going to be okay. They're not perfect in their faith. Nobody is. Faith is created by God in an imperfect heart by a perfect Holy Spirit, but it's never perfect in us, is it? But they had more faith and they had joy. But you know, they had to have some, still some bewilderment, some wonderment. How is this all going to work? And sometimes wish maybe that Jesus was still there. When a strong leader leaves, it does make the followers uncomfortable. In our sinful nature, we may even start to get a little disappointed, frustrated, angry at them for leaving. I've even been at the, at the den of a, someone who's mourning and grieving over the loss of a spouse of many years that was a rock and a strength that felt, this is more than once it's happened, that felt anger toward the one that died of disease because they left me here. When, when a strong leader leaves, it's a challenge. But you know what? Amazing things happen when a strong leader leaves. Amazing growth. People are more open and raw and dependable and vulnerable and ready again to listen to God and his word and his Holy Spirit to teach them how to be what he always wanted them to be. It's easy with a strong leader around to just sit back and let the strong leader do all the hard work. It's really easy to do that. But when the strong leader leaves, it makes you ready. Now who's up to the task of replacing Jesus, right? Not even a team of 12. <laughs> is up to replacing Jesus. And he never intended that we replace him. What he intended, though, when he ascended, was that he would, would create in us, by his Holy Spirit, people like, not perfectly, but like he'd always wanted us to be. Here's the key. In order to multiply exponentially what he had done only by simple addition in his life. The greatest thing that Jesus Christ did was to save the entire planet, all people from Adam and Eve to the very last baby born. He, get, he won salvation for them. But he said about the scope of his life, remember uh, Karen saying he got to live 33 years and got to go to heaven. The scope of his 33-year life was infinitesimally smaller than the scope of the way, the lives of those who would become his own and the lives that we would live out in this planet. That's what he meant when he said to his disciples, and he means that for us, you will do much greater things than I did. I mean, who would do more than save the planet? We know he didn't mean that. We can't even save ourselves. Jesus did that. But with Jesus, ruling over all things, sending his Holy Spirit, 
and that Holy Spirit giving us the perfect, unchangeable, can't be surmounted word of God in the minds and hearts of people when understood and shared in its proper understanding has the power to take a lost sinner who feels damned and hopeless as we should and turn them completely around in the hope and the peace and the power and the love of the gospel that is, bank, is banking on a historical fact that God sent his son according to prophecy to save the planet. God invented something wonderful there and when Jesus ascended into heaven, everything's going right according to plan that we would actually do much more as a body of Christ on earth than Christ did himself. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, be glad he left. Be glad he left because from heaven he gives grace. Now what's the simple Sunday school definition of grace? Okay, God's riches, the G-R-A, at Christ's expense, good. Or undeserved love, favor that we never deserve, God's grace. Let, read with me out loud this first passage. We're gonna go seven to 11 right? Whatever's on the screen, seven to 10. But to each one, let's read it together. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's the key verse of this section. This is why it says in the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill all whole universe. So this last paragraph, I'm going to share it with you and then get it out of the way because it's a backdrop. He's saying, crown him with many crowns. This guy was God before he came. That's why it means he had to descend before he ascended. He came out of heaven. Born of a virgin, but God himself, right? But he ascended now and he's back in glory and there's even a verse that it's like a guy coming to earth and conquering the devil and then taking captives so that jesus took all these captives from the territory of the devil and he parades with them and from heaven he gives gifts and then go back to the top verse we all receive grace as christ apportioned it now this verse starts with a but. If, as a good Bible student, you should be asking, what's right in front of this again? And the, what's right in front of this is we're all one church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one body, and then what? But each one of us received grace as Christ apportioned it. Remember that section in 1 Corinthians about the hand and the foot and the eye, but we're all members of the same body? This is the same metaphor. We're all in one God, one faith, one church, the body of Christ, but we all have grace as Christ apportioned it to us. Why? So we could reach people all over the planet faster than Jesus could as a single solitary man. Get this. Jesus was one man, one life, one language, one culture, one place and time, one place on the earth. 
and for his preaching and teaching, although he was the bestest, it was just limited to one three-year little ministry. He didn't speak English or Spanish or Swahili or all the thousands of other languages. The more you think about the church today being all over the planet in many different languages, people preaching that beautiful gospel and saving souls, you see the genius of him leaving. He left and then gives grace to those that he brings into the kingdom by grace so they can multiply exponentially the work that he did only by addition with the gospel. I kind of like to think of this apportioned it in this way. We all, our, our life, our body, our, our existence on earth is like a, a, a cloth bag with a drawstring at the top. And we walk by Jesus and he says, I'm gonna put some gold coins in your bag. Everybody, everybody that's in the body of Christ gets the gold coins. So the first is the word of the gospel. You are a forgiven sinner because I paid for all your sins on the cross. Gold coin in my bag, we all get it. Next one, gold coin in everyone's bag, baptism. You get a new identity. You get the assurance that I met you. All your sins are redeemed. You can remember your baptism as the day of your adoption and you are now a child of God, a member of the family. Everybody gets that gold coin. Lord's Supper. The, the sacrament of continuation, of constancy, gold coin, everybody gets that. You get the gold coin of the, the gospel that continually flows to you, so all this time you come up to this rail and you go, I still have sinned since the last time I confessed, and he says, and I still love you, this is the, like I did the last time you confessed, and he drops the gold coin in. From there, we're all the richest we could ever be in three gold coins, right? Word and sacraments. But after that, we get much lesser value coins to different levels. Not valuing us any differently, but giving us as he apportions it, right? Some of you have lost children at a very young age, okay? They got a very short life. That would be a different portion than you got as their parent, right? So silver coins, spiritual gifts, do you know the chapters about spiritual gifts? They're fun to read. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4. Go look at them. Spiritual gifts. Can you name some of them? The spiritual gift of teaching. One is leading. It's a spiritual gift to be able to lead. If you have that gift, it's a silver coin God wanted you to have. One is mercy. You have an ability to show mercy that other people who don't have that gift don't excel in. One is administration. I like to think of it being organized and able to organize others and get stuff done better and faster and being able to help the rest do that. I don't have that. We all know that, right? And I'm trying to come to terms with it, but I still don't have it, right? We have different gifts. They're, those are the silver coins. And he gave all of us one or more even. Gift of service, gift of encouragement, gift of wisdom. There's, there's more, okay? Those are the spiritual gifts. And he wanted all of us to have them so we'd share the blessing of the silver coins. 
it's not so we'd say, look at me. It's so we'd say, Let's, I want to bless you with it. I want to bring that to the table to bless the rest of you in the body of Christ. And then bronze coins. Time. I talked about children dying early. How much time you have is a bronze coin. Not near as valuable as the gold that saves you forever or the silver that's a spiritual gift, but it's, 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 a, it's a gift to be able to live, right? Okay, bronze, time, health, intelligence, culture, influence, opportunity. You could go on and on, right? With many things, a car. It could be many bronze coins, but they're all still like pennies compared to the silver, right? They're still kind of copper. We all have this bag. That's what this verse means. From heaven, the ascended Lord gives us to each other. Everybody gets gold, everybody gets some silver, everybody gets some bronze. And he does it as gifts from grace because there's not one living soul that deserves any coin in their bag. It's all his undeserved favor. And do you know how sometimes when you see the gift somebody gives someone, maybe it's, we tend to in our silliness, we focus on the bronze and we, we get jealous. You know how silly that is? Those were meant to be a blessing to you. And preachers have envy. We watch another one present the word of God and we say, oh, I, I wish I could do it that way. I want to be able to do it that way. Uh, that envy cuts you off from getting the blessing from the silver coin that the spiritual gift was supposed to give you just by listening to the message. Not comparing yourself, what's in your bag, but getting the insight, right? Jesus wants to multiply exponentially the work of the gospel by us, by us all working together with the gifts of grace that he's given as the ascended Lord. And he had to leave or else we would have watched him do it as one man in one place. And so he sent his spirit and the spirit fills us with the gospel all over the planet. And that's what's going on. Be glad he left. Be glad he left also because he didn't leave us here like a bunch of wild Mustangs. Although I know sometimes the church feels that way. You know the wild Mustangs, the horses that just kind of run the, the desert plains and the mountains? The church is not a bunch of wild Mustangs. Do you ever get stumped by this statement by somebody who's trying to cut off the conversation about Christ? I don't like organized religion I do and you know that I don't have the gift of administration so I want to say yeah I don't either <laughs> I'm not big on organizational structure either I don't like organized religion you know people are people that say that do like organization they do like organizations everybody thrives under organization right Things are better when it's, you've got a healthy structure and you know who we're answering to and how we're trying to work together and who's, where does the buck stop, right? And, it, and if, as long as it's benevolent leadership, we all like organization. People that say, I don't like organized religion, don't like religion. <laughs> because they're agnostic or atheists at heart. Because we're born atheists, blind, dead, enemies of God. Of course we don't like religion. But God does. 
So here's your answer. I don't like organized religion. Say, what if God does? Well, what do you mean? Now, you've got a few split seconds before they start to try to reteach you again. This is what you say. God loves organized religion. He says in Ephesians 4, that's why he gives leaders in the church. And here's our verse. Let's read it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The reason we organize at all in the life of the body of Christ is so we can get something done for Jesus who's filled us with his spirit. And he gives apostles, the sent ones, the 12, the 13 with the apostle Paul. He gives people the ability to do evangelism. The most famous in our generation, of my age and up, Billy Graham in America, right? A gift of evangelism. But there's many other smaller evangelists even in our own fellowships, right? He gives the gift of teaching or preaching and people have the opportunity to train for this, right? Why? That whole paragraph, why? So the church can be equipped. So your pastor, one of us, stands up here tonight and says, hey, the next time somebody says they don't like organized religion, let me give you something to say. What I did was I pulled out a, a, a screwdriver, a Phillips screwdriver of faith, and I put it in your pocket. I equipped you. We're organized, we got pews in rows. You're quiet for 20 minutes or 25 if I'm preaching. And so that's all part of it, right? I'm equipping you to do the work of the church because I want that person that says to you, I don't like organized religion in heaven, but I'm not gonna be talking to them, you are. So that's why I'm so passionate about equipping you. So you'll go talk to them. And we're organized and you expect me to study and prepare and know what's give you something and you're genuinely disappointed if you come and we don't give you much <laughs> because you expect it and you should, right? So the next, here's another example. The next time somebody says to you, baptismo means, it's the Greek word for baptism and it means to dunk. And therefore God wants all people that are baptized to be dunked. My job, pastor's job, is to say, no, it doesn't just mean dunked. One place, Jesus said they baptized couches. Do you think they took them down to the river and dunked them? See, so I'm supposed to prepare you as an organized leader and teacher to not be duped into thinking the outward form of a baptism is as important as the essence, which is what? Baptism saves you. Those who, these are verses, those who have been baptized have put on Christ, right? You were organized, you expect us to know that or to find out where to find it if you need it. Okay, I'm getting off my bully pulpit. So that the body of Christ might be built up. The ascended Lord decided he would leave and leave cracked pots called pastors, teachers, evangelists and apostles to multiply what he did by only addition. And it would be his spirit. That's why Jesus said to those 12, I'm gonna say it, not heads. The night before he died, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. 
I trust what the Father and I are going to do. We're going to give you the Spirit. And you, fallible sinners, are going to present the good news to the world. Be glad he left. Because I don't know anybody here that speaks Hebrew. Maybe Pastor Dan, maybe Vicar, because he's got a young mind, can say a few verses. Because they had to memorize Psalm 23 and Psalm 1, their second year of seminary. But... <laughs> And unless God would have sent English-speaking pastors to us who knew God's word, we'd all be sunk, wouldn't we? Okay, I said I was getting off that pulpit. The, the third reason that you can be happy that Jesus left is that he gives our lives a deep purpose. All of us, from the smallest to the oldest, the youngest to the oldest, the smallest to the greatest, our lives have purpose. And you know what's cool is our lives have the same purpose. This is not the purpose of pastors. Now, Caleb Steinke is wanting to be a pastor. But he doesn't need to wait till he's a pastor to feel this, or you don't need to feel like you'll never have this purpose. This is the purpose that the ascended Lord gives every Christian. And frankly, life without purpose is shallow, empty, boring, trivial, misguided, deceptive, fallen. But life with purpose has meaning and excitement and depth and wealth and richness because it all comes out of the purpose. And there are many good things that we get in life that give us purpose that are good, like making money. That's a reason to get up in the morning, to have a good job and know you're going to make money doing what you love to do. Or just doing something, whether you love to do it or not, is a purpose, right? A, a, a purpose to take care of yourself gives you a reason to exercise and diet and sleep. It, it's a purpose, right? Taking care of your children or your grandchildren is a purpose and it gives meaning. Loving your spouse and making them happy, making another person happy gives you purpose, right? There's lots of purposes that are good. They're just auxiliary, do you know what I mean? They're, they're still second to the purpose that the ascended Lord gives everybody on really first, and then these auxiliary things wrap around it that I mentioned. They wrap around the central purpose. And the truth is, there's a whole lot of people in the world who live for the auxiliary purposes and they're destined for that, realizing they live their whole life deceived. And at the end, they only had auxiliary purposes. They had fulfillment their whole life. Psalm 73 is your psalm about that whole thing. And then at the end of their life, they're gonna realize it was just auxiliary. But what I'm concerned about for the hundred people, maybe less, that came tonight is that you might live as if auxiliary purpose is your meaning to life and get lied to by the devil that you need to be depressed because you somehow don't have the purpose in those auxiliary things that you used to have. I can remember my father when he, right before he retired, he said about his job, he said it was the most disconcerting thing. I used to be a leader in the office and then I could tell people were working around me and getting things done instead of working with me. 
and I lost that. And he said, I lost all desire to be there. It was no longer gave me any fulfillment. That auxiliary purpose goes away, doesn't it? Right? And it's hard to let go of kids when they don't want you to be there for them and provide everything for them, right? And dads and moms have trouble with that too. There, here's the purpose that the ascended Lord gives you that does not go away. And it's quintessential, not auxiliary. It's a fancy word. I'm trying to learn how to say it. Can you say it? Quintessential, say that. Your quintessential purpose is right here. Let's read it. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. God wants no Christian to be a, a, a baby Christian their whole life. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Read the last line again. It's at the bottom of the slide. Each part does its work. When is the body of Christ succeeding at becoming the mature Christian body of Christ that God wants it to? Only when what? Each part does its work. When do you, as a part of the body of Christ, get to quit? Never. Not until you go into glory and then you can rest, but it won't be quitting because you're going to be free to serve God and praise without any pain the rest of your eternity, right? Never. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my soul and my heart with you about our church. We've had more people push themselves to the sidelines in the last three years than I've ever seen in the 25 years I've been a pastor here. And we've got our reasons. It's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. I want to say, when did you die and go to heaven? You're breathing, you can drive a car, you can write a card, you can sing a song. When did you die and go to heaven? You don't retire from this one. You retire to do this more, as every part does its work. Now, I get it. There's a time to say, organizationally, I need to back off so I can be a blessing in a different way. But I want to know what that other blessing is that you're going to be. Because if it's just because you're tired, then go take a vacation. Take a year break and come back. But don't tell me that before you die, you don't want to do the work of maturing the body of Christ? Okay, that's another bully pulpit. I just need to get that off my chest. You know I mean that in grace. Now, finally, I'm going to, tell, I'm going to remind you, because most of you here tonight don't need me to tell you. You know these people. But I'm going to remind you about a few people that have taught me awesomely to never quit. And I have a quitter in my heart, too. So when I preach so harshly about it, I'm preaching to myself. Lucille Steger. Rheumatoid arthritis from her late 30s. Cancer. A husband that struggled with alcoholism. Children that were in and out of trouble into their 40s. Sitting there for free at that desk in that office for well over 25 years. 
for free. 85 years old. And she did her last thing as that volunteer Christian five days before she had the car wreck that took her out in just a few weeks. She was in the hospital the rest of the time. Wally Reek, few of you know him. His daughter was Louise Reek, Israel Louise Reek. Loved to witness for Jesus. Pastor Johnny was here. He's another example, right? But I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Wally. So we go to see Wally. He's dying of heart failure. And he's in the hospital. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got Isaiah the prophet and Pastor Johnny with me. <laughs> and I'm there to see him, to give him some blessing to help him. And Wally's trying to do for the good of the church. So he says to us, that nurse, so-and-so, I've been trying to talk to her about Jesus and going to church. Her name is so-and-so. You need to talk to her. Gave us a job. Because he's doing his part, right? Then... I'm thinking, because I was taught this by other leaders, ask them how they're feeling and what's on their heart so you give the proper scripture and promise to somebody. Wally, what's on your heart? I think I'm going to then decide as the pastor the devotion I'm going to give him. <laughs> he stared out of his bed. I'll never forget this. He's doing his part because he was concerned about me neglecting people at our church. He said with a grave voice, do not forget the straying sheep. I came here to find out what you needed to give your heart comfort and go to heaven, and you're telling me, do not forget the straying sheep. And we both looked at each other, Pastor Johnny and I, and we smiled and said, yes, sir. Let's pray. <laughs> that was our devotion. Do not forget the straying sheep. And today, Wally's taught all of you that. Your dear wife, Elaine. Bible study at her nursing home so that she could reach out to people around her and give them the gospel. And Elaine, why do you have, we used to call it years ago, oleo, margarine and not butter in your refrigerator? Well, there's a lady. Is it butter or margarine that she had for that lady? She had butter because they only had margarine. She's got butter in her refrigerator, so when she goes wheeled up to lunch or dinner, she, as a loving Christian, could give butter to her friend in the name of Jesus. Are you kidding me? Each part does its work, right? We're not retiring. We're not done. And you know, that's what's deep, that's what's rich, that's what's fun, exciting, and challenging all at the same time when we don't give up. So, Billy Connor, Bible study at his house, and he recorded a testimony that I haven't shown anybody yet of his own personal spiritual journey and coming to faith because he wanted it to be there after he was gone. Clint Rogus, Sr., 80 years old and still the leader of the property and maintenance board. At 83, just three days before he died of lung problems, which is, takes us often, my son and I are there to see him, and he's got this check he wants to get out of his little satchel for the church because he's afraid he's been missing offerings to support the gospel, and you could barely read it 
for over $600 he wants to give to the, the cause of the gospel. From his sick bed at Seton Hospital at 83 years old, and he was gone in three days. Each part does its work. Why? Because we love the one who loved us. Because we love his bride. Because we want one more person to come. Because that's what he's doing. The spirits inside of us giving us gold, silver, and bronze. So that our life would have meaning and purpose. And sure it gets reduced. It gets different. But it doesn't stop. So, where do you find meaning in your life? Your ascended Lord has already told you. Be glad he left. Find meaning in the grace. Find meaning in the church that's organized with leaders to bless your soul. Think about all the leaders he's used for you and be thankful and stay close. And then thirdly, find meaning in doing your part. Well, what's your part? We'll figure it out. Just jump in there and say, what can I do? We'll find something. We'll figure it out. Amen.